Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. I am your host, Ryan Gerard, and I am here with my co-host, Rick Grunwald. Hello, everybody. So, we have uh, another episode of Bike Race Weekly. Bike Race Weekly is back. Another week. Another, another, uh, I don't know, Ryan, what are we talking about this week? Well, it's an official third episode of season two. Season two, episode three. We're going to talk, uh, so yesterday, actually, no, today. Today. Uh, was the first... Zwift race. It's called the Zwift Kiss League. Weird name. I don't know why. What that acronym stands for. I don't know why they don't just call it like the Zwift Pro League. Something that would make a lot more sense, wouldn't you think? I guess, yeah. Okay. Um, but they had their first of ten races today. Yep. So we're gonna talk about that. Uh, the tour down under just finished tour up. Down under. That was a good. Right. I actually I love watching the tour down under. You know what I th- makes the tour down under for me a really cool race is how into it the Australian fans get. There's always fans lined up along the side of the road. Oh, excuse me. And it always makes for a really cool like crowd dynamic that's going on. And then a lot of the Australian riders also get really pumped for that race. So it's fun to watch. Really good courses as well. So that definitely makes a difference. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot more humbling too for like the Australian riders because it's like the one time of the year they get to race on home soil. Oh, for sure. So it's a little bit like you know the Tour of California for us, but I think the Tour Down Under is bigger than the Cal- Tour of California to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. So and then uh, I just bought a new kit. Nice. And we're gonna have some kit talk today. We're gonna talk about cycling kits. Yeah, specifically what I want to talk about is uh, being seen. So my issue was always people couldn't see me during a race. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is is last week I looked into the difference between carbon shoes and non-carbon shoes. The, the price difference is c- ridiculous. Carbon yes. shoes are going to run you about three times more uh, typically than non-carbon shoes. So today we're going to give you the facts, which is uh, obviously which is better and is that price difference worth it? Yeah. It yeah. Does the price fit the performance? Does it fit the performance? All, All right. right. Well, so, let's get back to our first topic then. So, Zwift Racing. The so, KISS League. The KISS eSport Zwift Bike Racing. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. The concept is there. The concept For is sure. there. And especially with the ability to stream, and people are even doing it on Twitch as well. Um, uh, yeah, that's where they did it. And then oh, yeah. um, that in YouTube Live, I believe. Okay. You can find it on Twitch or YouTube. Yep, and it's extremely accessible to people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a qualifier for this, so you can just sign up. Yeah, so right? it's actually, uh, I think they use 10 like pro-continental teams. Okay. So like Team Wiggins was there. Oh, really? Um, Kofitis was there. Okay. Let's see. I can get a list. I think you meant Kofidis. Kofidis? Kofidis. I've always said Kofidis. <laughs> Not I close. It's close, Ryan. It's close. Um, but yeah, so you you got a chance to watch some of that race today, right? Actually, why did I look it up when I just I was just on Cycling Weekly? And, oh, gosh, Ryan. And they have You're a so post. Slow. I was literally like hovering over the post. Yeah, good one. Um, All right. So I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I caught a little bit of a, a summary from you earlier. It sounded pretty interesting. Okay. But I'm, I'm interested to get your uh, your thoughts and, and feelings about it. So Hagen, so some of the big teams that you'll recognize: Hagen Berman, uh, Israeli Cycling, Cycling Academy, Academy okay. uh, Kofidis, 
Yes. Novo Nordisk, Dimension Data U23. Oh, okay. So they actually just had a, like a Zwift competition. Mm-hmm. So they're one of, the person who won that will be on that team. Interesting. Uh, team Wiggins. And that's probably going to be right, the last so, big team, Canyon. If So some solid continental squads across the globe. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, very cool. So what were your general thoughts? Was it interesting? Um, you know, and I think this is a good comparison. The tour mm-hmm. of uh, the tour down under was just on. You know, could you could you watch Zwift racing? And were, was it more interesting, less interesting than some of the stuff going on? Uh, I think it was the, the way I would put it was underwhelming, underwhelming, but with a lot of potential. Was there was that because it was really like you had a lot of hype going into it? Like you thought it was going to be really really good. Uh, to it, be honest, I don't think I had any expectations okay so there was really no hype for me okay um i'm (sighs) advertising wise i don't think zwift did great uh and the way they kind of had it set up they i just feel like they could have done like five really easy things that would have made it so much better like uh so the one main thing was that it was just kind of boring and it was almost <laughs> the main should, well, thing. It was boring. It was just. It was very silent. It was like oh, watching so, it was very silent. So you had the commentators giving their their two the, cents all yeah. the entire time, right? But because you know, it's just like. Uh, Did you have the game noise at least? No, really, no okay. game noise. Because so, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know audio stuff going on in Zwift in terms mm-hmm. of like people passing. Uh, KOMs, people passing different power-ups, that kind of thing. So it really does surprise me that they didn't include any of the noise, I guess. Yeah, and uh, the... I mean, I think the commentary is good Mm -hmm. for real bike racing because you can see these people, you can see the pain on their face. It's much more like... I don't know, you you can see more where on Zwift it's just those figures in a dead set position mm-hmm. and there's like no movement how long was the race was it it was only like 50 minutes 50 minutes so it was, it was like, pretty it was a, short it was a crit essentially it was a crit okay yeah and yeah. was there much movement like were people attacking were no people, really? that was another thing it was like it was just it was just all together until the very final climb and literally the last few seconds someone attacked and uh, so with was with zwift racing um the the drafting effect isn't as strong as if you were to say ride outside. Mm-hmm. I know recently they've introduced something, and we've talked a little bit about it called double draft, which you feel it feels more realistic in terms of the, the ability to actually sit in a field online and not have to pedal as much. But I'm wondering if they maybe ran the uh, the first type, which is kind of the standard where you don't really get a lot of draft. In that case, everybody's kind of like at their limit the entire race. You know what I mean? Yeah, one thing we talk i know we've had the conversation before but mm-hmm. like when you start stop pedaling your wheel just stops so yeah. where if you're if you're in an actual peloton and you're going down the road you can just coast for yeah. quite a long time and not have to pedal i think that's something that zwift is going well and if you have like a direct drive trainer it does have a better feel like the the, the flywheel I think okay. it's heavier, so like I'm guessing they must have used that. Then. Yeah, well, yeah, they're all on direct drive trainers. Yeah, so you'll have a different feel. It doesn't like when you go to a dead stop and you're still rolling, you don't get that same feeling as you do like on a wheel on trainer. So I'm sure that makes a difference. But I think that's something that Zwift is really going to have to get over is is try like how to make everything feel more realistic at high speeds. If yeah, that makes sense. Like riding with other people at very high speeds. Yeah. 
So then uh, my next complaint is I had the idea that they were going to get all these these teams and put them into one room, mm-hmm. e- give each one like a TV or something, and be able to go from team to team. So if you watch an eSport game, so we'll use Counter-Strike. Okay. You have the, like, how many people? I think they have like six or eight guys on their team. Mm-hmm. Each each person has their own monitor with a camera pointed at, at them. Where you can see their hands, you can see their face. And then they have one camera that looks down the entire lane of all the all the players. Yes. And then they have another camera that's backed up so you can see both teams. So you think that's how, how e, e-bike racing should be the same way? Yes. Everybody's there on site. I know that's, that's a tricky one, though, because they got a bunch of continental teams, so they can't get people to travel necessarily for these events. Well, they're, they're traveling for races anyways. That's true. Yeah, but like I understand why they can't get them. Unless they were paying like some serious prize money, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, or if it was it was doing something, which in some regards I think that it, it does a lot more for your sponsors. Like I think you're getting a lot more uh, eyes on the team. You doing like a Zwift e race necessarily than some like obscure uh, you know criterium in the middle of you know nowhere in the East Coast. So yeah, I can see both arguments. Yeah, and so if I just think that like if you're gonna do this, they dumped like twenty million dollars, like a hundred twenty million, something like that. A hundred twenty million, a stupid amount of money. You would just kind of expect into for, just this event, or the no, CBR into the World entire Cup. thing. Wow. But you you'd think that they would kind of invest into the the production. I thought that was going to be where that be they the staple of it, right? Yeah. So maybe they used a lot of that money to like pay the teams just to do it maybe and if you're gonna do that pay the teams to go to a central location yeah i think that's pretty important you know set up the cameras and then when you're on a rider you know show them mm-hmm. you know show them show their screen and mm-hmm. then you know switch between teams while you're commentating and talk about these people i want to get to know these people right. even in esports you get to know the individual players very well yeah i mean you can even go on youtube and there's channels that go through like every single player on a team and their entire backstory of how did they get to this moment you want to know the players yeah which is kind of weird for cycling i mean there's some of that but in a in a sport that's so small that relies so much on athlete personality it's like it's almost like it's just kind of an afterthought to like highlight uh the athlete yeah i don't know so, so i think they need to up their production okay you know i don't th- i don't need to see the commentators but we need to see the faces of the athletes. You want to see the faces of the athletes, not yeah, the commentators. For I, sure. You know, and then I think that they need to do something. I, th- I think the production, bringing that up, will help That'll the help. commentators commentate as well. Mm-hmm. It's hard to commentate on a Zwift race when it's just kind of a bunch of, you know, of those animated riders just in a clump mm-hmm. and nothing's happening. I'm with you on this one, Ryan. I couldn't agree more. That's what needs to change. Yeah, so that's my opinion. What, okay, what, what do you have on that? Oh, well, I, I didn't watch it personally. I, I'm kind of going off of what you said. I, I agree. My, my big thing is they really need to do races in that double draft mode because if you got a bunch of pros that are kind of at the same level, roughly, right, um, you know, they're all just going to ride as hard as they can for an hour and stay together. And then somebody's going to win because they're going to have like a little extra gas in the tank. So I think that's pretty important. Um, Zwift racing as it is right now, the kind of the normal physics and mechanics, it works okay for amateur racing or just kind of like, you know, whatever people jumping on and, and doing it. 
but it, I don't think it's going to – it's got to change a little bit once you start bringing on, like, fields that are deeper with more actual, like, professional cyclists that are that are just faster in general. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's my two cents on it. Why don't we move on to the, the uh, next topic? Sure thing. So, the next topic is the Tour Down Under. The Tour Down Under. Real bike racing. Really good finish. Yeah. Yeah. Up Wollonga Hill. That was yep. the last day. Yep. Daryl Impey. Well, second to last day, actually. Daryl Impey taking the overall win. Yep. yep, I think that's awesome. I'm so I'm a huge fan of Daryl Impey. Daryl Impey won this race last year as well, mm-hmm. and he did it. He did it this year and last year by taking the intermediate time bonus sprints. See, I think that's that's so <clears throat> cool that the the intermediate time bonuses actually matter in the race. Yeah, so Daryl Impey is, um, I wouldn't say he's like a, a sprinter. He's He's kind of like a he's a good all rounder. He's a good hit, like a puncher. Pu- puncher, puncher, yeah. So Richie Port won up Wollonga Hill, which is I think about a five or five to seven minute effort. I'm not exactly sure, but it's the last climb of the day, and um, so Richie Port won up that. Daryl MP was kind of with the main group. He didn't really lose too much time, but he made up all of his time by just doing well in the bunch sprints. And it's kind of a, a cool format, like you were saying, because it gives pretty much anybody a good chance of winning the overall. Like if you're a really good sprinter, you can clean up and uh, and win all of the uh, the time bonuses in the sprints. If you're like Daryl Impey, you can kind of win on those punchier stages. And if you're Richie Port, you can try to make up all your time on the last day at Wollonga Hill. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much what I had going into it. Sorry, I didn't mean to didn't mean to steal your thought. No, um, I think that's o- overall. That's, I thought it was a, a good race, though. Yeah, I think it's so cool how the Australians take this rate race to heart so much. Yeah, and like you can tell, even though it's like kind of a back thought for a lot of racers from like Europe. I mean, they care about winning this race. I mean, oh. Richie Port has won this race six t- six times in a row, and you can tell he wants to keep going back. Has he won it six times in a row? Six times, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, I'm sorry. He's won Wollonga Hill six Wollonga times Hill. in a row. Ah, okay. That's, okay. that's what I meant. Gotcha. No, I, I totally agree, though. I think it's cool. It's a really neat race. People obviously, sh- it's, people, yeah, people obviously show up to win it, but it's also a time for a lot of the teams to kind of get things dialed in like they're they're working on their lead out trains i know a lot of sudal now has caleb ewan so they've been there trying to win him sprints and work on the lead out um a lot of teams have new riders and a lot of uh teams also have riders that are new to the pro peloton so they're kind of like it's a good it's a good uh starting ground for the season did you see that uh caleb ewan got uh, disqualified? He did. He got relegated from, uh, I think it was the, it's like the third stage, maybe third or fourth stage. Uh, it was, I think it's the fifth or sixth. I believe it was the day before the last day. Oh, okay. So yeah, the fifth, so yeah, okay. Fifth or sixth stage then. And yeah, he, he kind of was getting his lead out hijacked and he was trying to get on Peter Sagan's wheel and uh, another guy was trying to get on his wheel as well, and they were close to the barriers. Yeah. So they were bumping elbows, and it's elite. It's it's not illegal. It's against the rules to take your hands off of your bars. <laughs> yep, correct. So if someone's coming into you and you t- need to know, let them know you're there. He gave him a headbutt. He gave him. Yeah. I think so, the issue was that he gave him three headbutts. Yeah. But afterwards, the guy didn't even know that he got headbutt. 
No, and was that Peter Sagan or was that a different no, rider? <laughs> I, I forgot what team he was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't like a big name sprinter or anything. Yeah, I, I agree. It was like, <clears throat> I don't, you know, if you watch the video, it looks, it doesn't look the greatest, but the guy, the guy doesn't move at all. Like he's not like, he's not really headbutting him that hard. Like you said, he's just kind of like nudging him like, hey, hey, I'm over here. Like kind of watch out sort of thing yeah or like you know you're not taking my lead out and and i don't want to i don't want to like go down trying to protect it kind of that thing too yeah and i think i actually saw an article about this this week and it kind of brings up the the discussion of like the cycling the uci does not have a very good like grasp you, grasp on how things actually happen I, in the peloton. yeah i don't i don't want to see say like legal like type dispute thing, mm-hmm. you know, but they kind of just give, say, you know, they're so quick to saying you're disqualified and uh-huh. st- without like even talking to the riders. They didn't even talk to Caleb or the guy who got headbutted. Uh-huh. I'm, you a, know? I'm a big fan of like self-enforcement within the Peloton. I don't think you need the UCI like, <clears throat> uh, you know, disciplining people on sprints. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of like a code among, among sprinters. Like people generally know what's cool and what's not okay and what's okay and you know like riders get talking to by other sprinters at the end of races if they're doing something dangerous so i think it's kind of like a moot point even to have the uci there Mm -hmm. i honestly think it would be i don't think we'd have a lot more incidents if if they weren't like relegating people for the tiniest things do you think it would help if like teams had like captains at every race where if something like that were to happen like the captain goes then goes and speaks with the UCI and they discuss what happened and then after that discussion they give a ruling yeah that that could help like an actual formal captain that was like kind of like a liaison to the governing body yeah I I think I think that would help I I think it's never like it's it's never a good thing to just like to just like relegate somebody immediately you should probably have like each side explain what happened review the tape and then make a decision Instead of just seeing, like, you know, you and headbutt them three times, and then it's like, well, that was excessive, you know, kick them out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with Peter Sagan, where they actually, like, took back what they, the... Oh, yeah. You know, they, but... It's like, it like after, m- months later. Yeah, though, months right? later, they said, oh, that was our bad. That was the silliest thing ever. It's like, it's yeah. because you were so quick to judgment that right. you didn't sit down with the riders and talk and talk about what happened. Yeah. If, if it was then like let them say what they want mm-hmm. and then after you talk about it yeah. then make your decision although i don't think cavendish helped in that in that regard at all like you know he instead of you know he was obviously frustrated but mm-hmm. you know it, it was it was easy easy to see by all accounts from the video that yeah. it was his fault and he wasn't going to admit it that it was his fault and he was pretty quick to blame sagan for for doing that so yeah and sagan actually it was a really funny he uh he kind of trolled Cavendish a little bit after that 2017 tour. He got on Twitter and, you know, like, wished him well. And it was a video of the 2016 World Championships in, in Doha where Peter Sagan, uh, you know, like, beat beat Cavendish by a wheel's length. And he was, it, the, the title was something essentially like, uh, uh, like, you know, can't, like, get better, Mark. Can't wait to... Do and do more of this or something like that in okay. Peter Sagan's traditional broken English. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I it's it's I don't know. Relegations are funny. Yeah, and I mean the huge reason why they they disqualified him was because he like flicked his elbow. Yeah, 
but what ha- actually happened was is um, Mark Cavendish's shifter mm-hmm. went up underneath his elbow, and that's how he crashed. Was because right. his front his handlebars hit Peter Scott's yeah, elbow. Yeah, he, he got too close to me trying to it, thread a needle. Yeah, and it looks like he Peter Scott tried to elbow him when actually his handlebars hit his arm. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's probably enough about <laughs> getting kicked out of sprints. Hopefully, that doesn't happen to ourselves or any of our listeners. But uh, I think we should talk about the new kit that you just ordered. The new kit. Whoa. I'm excited about you this. You don't even spend money, so. I don't spend much money. That's yeah. why I bought a Chinese kit. Oh, okay. Classic. Now, where'd you buy your kit from? Uh, I bought it from AliExpress. Okay. And it's a kit that we've both actually bought before. Yeah. The brand is called Spexel. <clears throat> so, buying peop- like buying things from China, people are generally like very polarized. I think I hear a lot of people like just kind of crap on it and say... You know, it's garbage. Like, no matter what you buy, it's going to be junk. Like, never buy anything from China. And then I've heard, I've kind of heard a few people, not as many, ha- say, like, you know, everything they've bought has worked really good and, like, they buy from China all the time. The truth is probably somewhere in between there. But you can look up to see what the best vendors in China are. Like, you know, it's like anything else. There's there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. And uh, I believe Spexel was the brand that you went Spexel, with. Spexel, right? yeah. Nice. So, and what did you, so what did you get? What did you go with, Ryan? So, I got, uh, it was a pink top and a navy blue bottom. Mm. At first thought, you're like, kind of got that EF education. uh, Okay, so I was actually going to touch on this. Yeah. Um, So, think think in your mind, uh, it's pretty hot right now, blue and pink. Blue, you got navy blue. You got that EF education. That's right. uh, And crit life. Also did that. They did that uh, uh, two years ago, I think. Yeah. 2017. 2017. Was it 2017? Yep. Okay, yeah. Both teams did it. Everybody loved it. Mm-hmm. So the, well. my main, why I did it. Yeah, yeah. I've been told so many times after every single race that like my parents come to, like friends come to, my girlfriend yeah. comes to, they can't, can't see, see you. you. They can't yeah. see you. That was, my wife was so happy when I bought a blue helmet because she was like, now I can actually like pick you out of the of the uh, the group like it was so hard to see me before because i just had you know white shoes or black shoes black shoes or white or white helmet or black helmet and then whatever kid i was wearing mm-hmm. so yeah i'm with you on that i and and uh currently i think the last kit that we wore racing was like kind of camo was camo yeah essentially yeah so it was camo right yeah so that's yeah i mean that's that's even worse in some regards it's a cool kit don't get me wrong oh, no, but no it's cool we yeah it's it's sick but like in terms of being able to spot somebody like in the middle of a field yeah you can't see them camo even though camo is kind of a rarity the the colors themselves are hard to see you mm-hmm. know black dark brown dark green yeah yeah so, I, so my thought was is i either need to get a new kit or a new helmet yeah because or, whatever or new shoes you, well so what do you I think, think shoes isn't isn't you enough think, you think shoes kind of blend in a little bit too they much? blend it and you can't see them True. Cause you know? it, yeah, because you're mo- yeah, that makes sense. Because so your feet are moving so fast. What people always say is, I can always see Tommy. Shout out to Tommy. Tommy. He has a pink helmet, That's and right. everybody always says, and Tommy, I can I can pick out Tommy. And Tommy actually got another pink helmet this year. He's staying true to brand. Yeah. So yeah. I was thinking, I either need to get a pink kit or a pink helmet. I even thought about getting like a neon helmet. Yeah. But even that kind of blends in. The one issue with a helmet, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is. It really can clash really bad if you care about matching. And, like, I, you know, I do care about matching. Like, I would totally get a pink helmet, but I just bought a really nice camo skin suit, and those two things will not go well together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if I were 
to buy like what you did you know if you just get like one pink kit with you know those navy blue shorts that uh you know you can just cycle that out and just wear it you know for a race for a ride you know whatever you want and have whatever color helmet and shoe combo i'm a big fan of going with black helmets because they just go with everything yeah i have a white helmet Mm-hmm. I think or that white. goes I mean, pretty well with everything. White, white goes with most stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, my wife uh, said that I looked like an astronaut when I had a white helmet because it made my head look really big. Well, so now I got really self-conscious about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wear a black helmet. But, Rick, science is cool. So uh, in that, astronauts are cool. So I'm just True. Saying. I'll let her know that as she's making fun of me after races. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that's why I bought a pink kit so that when people come to races mm-hmm. they can actually pick me out nice so i i kind of thought i'll wear like my nice kit like my camo or my other crit fit army kit yeah when i'm just racing you know and nobody's really watching me yeah dude and then i'll wear my pink kit when like anna comes to watch me or my parents come to watch me or i have friends there that are watching it's a good way to go about it yeah so that's kind of my plan but well nice ryan that kind of leads to our next conversation of what makes a good looking kit oh i love kit style why don't you start? You're, All the, right. you're the stylish guy. You got your chinos and your stylish, uh, your stylish sweatshirt and your yeah. hipster glasses that aren't prescription, which right. I've always thought it was weird. You know? Well, but no, they they are like they're not prescription because I'm cheap. <laughs> they, not, these aren't like like these are. He doesn't uh, even have lenses in them. They, <laughs> they do. All right, There's they, no lenses. The glasses I'm wearing do have lenses in them, and it's they're just like a, they're a very low level. They're for reading. And general sight because my eyes get tired. Whatever. Anyways, back to a good looking kit. So there's there's a couple different styles you can go with. Uh, I think like the best looking kit in my opinion, all black with a black helmet with some nice clean white shoes and white socks. I'm a huge fan of simplicity. So you can either do one of two things, right? If you want to look real good. You want to be either very simple, very minimalist with your kit design, or you want to swing the other way and go kind of what you did, where a little bit brighter, a little bit wilder, maybe match some of the shoes and the socks and the helmet. But for me personally, I'm a big fan of like, you know, all black with some white shoes or black shoes too. But, you know, there's a lot of ways to go. I think, I think there's some style rules that you should never break, to be honest. You never wear black shoes in a white helmet. That's a big no-no. Why? It looks silly. Oh, okay. Absolutely. It makes your feet look very big and <laughs> clunky, and your and then they don't match with your helmet, which looks kind of light. You know, like you can, uh, you know, like you can go heavy on top and light on the bottom. You want to seem like you're you're kind of getting slender as you move down. So right? I'm good with my shoes. So with your shoes, you're good, right? Okay. Because you've got Ryan over here has some uh, some gray shoes, which go with everything. And neon accents, so that looks nice. You usually wear like, uh, you know, like black socks with those. Black or white, and then a white helmet that goes together. It wouldn't be my first choice, but like, it looks pretty good. Yeah. And then in terms of yeah, so kit, <clears throat> like I said, really simple looks good. I like um, like the EF Education kits. I think are currently the best looking kits in the Pro Peloton. I'd agree. To be honest, they look fantastic. I think everybody has kind of elevated their kit game over the year. Uh, fades like kit fades are getting pretty popular. I hate fades. They're getting pretty popular. I didn't say they were my favorite thing. Sky is don't doing a fade now. Um, Movistar 
I think is doing a fade. I'm they pretty sure they're stop similar. with the fades. Anyone yeah. who who's like <clears throat> making team kits, stop <clears throat> with the fade. I think the '90s was also the height of. I'm also like a big fan of like, uh, like, create crazy brand, like encrusted logos everywhere kind of 90s kits you know what i mean like back in the day where every spot of the jersey was filled with a name of a sponsor there's like there's some kind of like nostalgia for that it's like the reality tv of cycling kits that's all garbage but you still love it i'm gonna i'm gonna make a guess all right that in the next three to five years okay teams are gonna start doing like throwback kits throwback kits would be awesome so like map hey themed kits or something i was just gonna say my pay is definitely in my top or three probably top two all-time great looking kits and they're gonna call them like you know retro throwback kits or something what's just gonna be like themed off of that what is your least favorite well let me ask you two questions i mean what do you like in a kit and then also what's been your least favorite kit of all time um i'm trying to think of my least favorite lamprey merida Interesting, you picked lamprey. Yeah, that is that's essentially the same one. color concept. No, that you bought. But, but it's it's just too much. The blue is also it's bright blue, bright pink. Yeah, I think I think it, and, and it's not like an accent. Yeah. They they're like their own colors. Mm-hmm. I think they just have too many colors and they don't really match together. They don't go to well together, and it's just too much. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the fade, I really hate the fade. It's overdone, I think. Especially like it's not bad, teams, but it's overdone. Like Team Sky has done really well with their kits in the past. Uh-huh. I think I think they should have stuck with their white kits. Oh, I think that was kind of like uh, it was like their thing for a while. Like yeah, Trek had pinstripes. They kind of owned the pinstripe game for a while, and then they got away from it. And and you know, I don't think they've had as good a, uh, good of a kit since then. They need to simplify their 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 kits. Yes. Especially when I don't understand why do you have all black kids when your riders are doing a three week tour in like 90, 95 degree weather? Well, they've been white though. Like the last couple of years, they were mm-hmm. essentially white. Well, this year they're going to be black again. Why would you do true. that to your that's, riders? That's true. I don't get it. I'm a. I'm also another kit that's a fantastic look is AG2R. They've kind of had the same. I color. don't like their kit. Oh, Ryan, that's a heresy. Uh, they've had the same color concept for like however long the team has existed, which is a baby blue and like a brown. And okay. that sounds gross. Yeah. But the way that they put it in their kit with kind of an argyle sort of uh, design, I think looks like just classic. It's mm-hmm. classic AG2R. I think the look that I've always really liked was the I Am Cycling team. Uh, yeah, that's good. It's such a clean classic, kit with clean. just that like one stripe that was like two yeah. colored. So it was really good with the all white with just that's, that accent blue yeah. and like red. That's what I mean though. You know, if you gotta if you're going with style, you've either go gotta go over the top like an EF style yeah. kit, or you gotta be very classic. I think I think you gotta go like just clean, or you gotta go edgy. Yes, or edgy too. Edgy I think works. I think I would call like. EF Education's kit edgy. Edgy is a good word for I would, it. You know, so I call like a or like rally is clean. Yeah, or Giants. Giant is well. I don't think Giant is now like the CCC team. No, that's that's BMC. Oh, BMC. Um, but Giant. So Giants kits last year were like Sunweb. They, Sunweb. Excuse me. Their kits were very clean. They're just mm-hmm. black and the white. The black and white sponsors like. That's it. And that was a good look. You know, it was maybe a little bland, but it was a good look. Yeah, so I like when stuff's kind of just overdone, it's 
you just wonder who came to this decision and who thought it was good. Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. It one, might be one just, person should make the kit decisions. It, it might just be like that '90s <laughs> thought process where I think to get as many sponsors as we can it, in that jersey. Yeah, not just have as much going on as you can. Uh huh. I'm waiting and, for the team that comes out with a sponsorless jersey. I think, I think that would uh, be pretty neat. Um, Edic's quick step was almost thinking about doing that. They wanted to try to be self sufficient. Yeah. Would be interesting, yeah. Well, I know they have a new title sponsor this year, so I don't know. The The title sponsor probably wanted the jersey space. That's what I'm going to put as my all-time favorite It was is Edix Quick Steps jersey. I, I really liked when they were the kind of like that teal and black. I think it, 2015 was the last oh. year they ran that color scheme, and I thought it looked really good. I really dig the all blue. The all blue is Yeah, the all yeah. blue looks all so cool. Good. You can pick them out, which I think is really important. Uh huh. Is are white shorts ever acceptable? Yeah. Example. When you want to show off. When you want to show that booty off. Yeah. All right. I get that. We're cyclists. You gotta show it off. My my rule my uh, my thought is no. If I was world if I was world champion, I would rock white shorts all year because people are gonna talk about it forever. That's true. People you're still gonna get, talk. You're gonna get heckled for the people for the, still talk about Cipollini yes. wearing like his tiger skin suit or his like. Or he wore white shorts. You know Cipollini. Yeah. He won the world championship. People still talk about that. Yeah. That's why I would do it. So I I'm not a fan of the white shorts, uh, but I can't say that if I didn't win the world championships, I wouldn't wear an all white rainbow skin suit. Yeah, you that's, gotta go all white rainbow skin suit. That's tough. I don't, yeah, I mean with style, I think like. Um, there's always the thing that I've always kind of worked off was like these kind of un, unspoken rules, but they were actually very spoken and very yeah. vocal. Um, but I think like there's rules for a reason. Some people get all like, well, cyclists are really snobby and blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's like, you know, there's a, there's a reason why everybody wears like white shoes. And it's not just because that's what the pros do. You know, it's just a good look. Or there's a reason why people wear like glasses over the, um, the helmet straps and again it's not just because the pros do it it's a good look it looks general. good it looks good right it, that's why it, it i do keeps, it it keeps everything nice and tight and clean it really does within your helmet mm-hmm. so yeah for any of those people out there that think there aren't rules to fashion and cycling uh there yes there are rules and no those rules never will be broken like short socks short socks are ugly they yeah they're just ugly they've got no there's no place for them the calf rule does apply the calf rule yeah yes yes all right. Well, we've talked a lot about cycling style. Uh, I think we had one more topic on the table, which was yeah. carbon soles. Do we carbon want to still soles. talk about that? Yeah. Right? Let's. Which it, it'll go pretty quick, I think. Oh yeah. Okay. So essentially, we were talking about this last week, and there's always been a number applied to different aspects of cycling. Mm-hmm. Like you know, everybody's like, "Well, how many watts does that new helmet get you?" Or how how much more efficient is X, Y, and Z? But you know, I've always been sold that carbon shoes are infinitely better than any kind of other sole like you know like if it's just a standard resin but nobody's ever explained why so i've always thought or recently i've thought is that just marketing like like what is the difference between a carbon sole and a non-carbon sole yeah so i looked into it because so i'm currently in the market to get new shoes i'm i was going to sell my old ones because they're they're small Mm -hmm. and i just kind of got to a point where i couldn't ride them anymore Yeah, yeah, yeah so i'm looking for new shoes and 
the price difference between carbon soles and like the nylon rubber or like fiberglass soles usually more than double it's, right? the difference is like a hundred to hundred like thirty dollars and like two to three hundred dollars to four hundred possibly to four hundred to get those the really the nice good ones, ones yeah. yeah uh so i went online and i was just curious how many watts does carbon soles save you yeah what i determined is nobody knows <laughs> it's never really been tested but the whole thought is always that they're stiffer so you'll get yeah. more uh more essentially like you're not losing any of your power that's put through the pedal there that, mm-hmm. that's always been the thought i've just always wondered is that like actually the case like what is the actual difference between that so what i did find so let's start by what's the difference between clipless pedals and platform pedals. Okay, interesting. That's, it's only about five to ten watts. That's uh, kind of shopping, shocking. To yeah. Me, excuse me. Like that difference, you'd almost so you'd almost be better off getting a pair of arrow wheels and going to clipless pedals. Yeah. That's like <laughs> if you want to do that. I mean, no, no. I mean, it's just a really funny way to phrase it. But like, yeah, I've always thought there's like a crazy difference between clipless pedals and and platform pedals essentially and but we, it kind of sounds like that's not the case and we should probably preference it being like in a seated position yeah. you know once you get not to a sprint, sprint it's like going to be very different. different yeah yeah um <clears throat> but so it's kind of speculated i should say because there's not really been um, any studies that yeah. i could find at least but it's only speculated to be about two to four watts the difference between carbon soles and like a nylon fiberglass sole yeah which and that's also too uh, varying degrees of of uh, fiberglass and nylon, right? So yeah. you could, you know, I wonder what the difference is between the hundred and fifty dollar pair of non carbon soled shoes and the fifty dollar pair when you compare it to like a nicer carbon soled shoe. Yeah, and it it's similar to it was what I found. Mm-hmm. They compared it to ceramic bearings. Okay, it, astronomical prices get you nothing yeah it's like that whole dumb marginal gains uh phrase right applied to to everything you can get a a wad out of every single thing on your kit um so that's really very very interesting by by all accounts i'd say your money is probably better spent somewhere else on your bike uh you should get a comfortable pair of shoes that's That's the most important. important that they said was a more comfortable pair of shoes is going to be far better than a $500 pair of carbon soles that are uncomfortable. All right, so that's our advice. If you've got the money to spend, go ahead and buy your $400 pair of Shimano S-Fires. Yeah. But if you want just a comfortable road shoe that's, uh, you know... 100 150 Slivers uh, worse than a, a really expensive shoe, yeah, go buy like a $100, $150 shoe. I think yeah. that's pretty good. Right? I would say if, if you're going to get a, a shoe in that range... Make sure you get the shoe that is just absolutely comfortable yeah, because try them on. the benefit so, of that is going to be better than even getting ceramic bearings. For sure. For sure. Which are a marketing ploy. I don't know why anyone buys it. Waste of money. Waste of money. Yeah. Anyways, is there anything else we want to talk about today? That's about it for I me. I think we got through everything we want to chat about. Yeah. Cool. Uh, solid podcast. We're coming in at right at 40 minutes. Solid. Good time. Hope that's not too long for all you listeners out there. All right. Any grind your gears? Anything grind uh, your gears? What's grinding my gears this week? Grinding my gears. Grinding my gears. Boy, uh, here's what's grinding my gears. Oh, boy. Um, You know, I've been looking. I've been in the market for a new trainer. Okay. You know, I haven't been riding the trainer this winter so far. I'm taking a little time off of riding a bike. And... 
it's very you know it's very hard to find a, a good review of a trainer that's under like six hundred dollars that's that's you know I don't know remotely accurate and a smart trainer I guess uh, trainers are pretty complicated pieces of cycling equipment but man it's kind of crazy that nobody makes something that's kind of like right around that like four to three hundred dollar range brand new that's that's like really solid you know it seems like everything kind of within that range has some issues so yeah it's kind of grinding my gears this week i'm trying to stay stay a little under budget but it's you know the crazy hard. the crazy thing is is too is I, I i'm guessing that the majority of people have like the lower end trainers uh-huh. not many people have those eight to thousand dollar trainers i think but all the reviews are of the eight to thousand dollar trainers i guess yeah i guess i don't really know most people that i know don't have a direct drive trainer I would love to have a direct drive trainer, like, but they're just six hundred and fifty dollars and above, pretty much. That's six hundred dollars is going to get you like just a normal direct drive. Trainer. So tax came out with something called the tax flux, which I think retails for about seven hundred dollars, but I've seen it most places for six fifty, mm-hmm. which is like an actually nice direct drive trainer. It's not quite as nice as their Neo, but I guess that right now is the best price point direct drive trainer. Ah. But and is it just is it power power smart? S- yep, smart power. Okay, um, it's just a little bit outside my my price range personally. <laughs> yeah, I would love to buy it, but I think I'm shooting for a, a smart wheel on trainer that's relatively quiet and not too expensive. Well, I gotta say, Anna's new trainer was I think it was like three sixty, and it's a smart trainer, right? And it's a smart trainer, and it's relatively quiet. It's super quiet. Yeah. So the only thing is, is that. It do, it is smart, but the the spectrum of like where the power that yeah. like each gear can hit is smaller. Mm-hmm. So you do kind of have to switch gears just to hit that like that range power threshold. The power like floor and ceiling of uh, the gear that you're in. That makes sense. Where like my Magnus trainer, I put it in one gear and it will hit any power, any watts. Yeah. Where Anna's like if she's trying since she, her FTP is 110. Mm-hmm. During her warm up, it'll be you know fifty, and she has to go down to a gear that will actually go down to fifty watts. Uh, I see. But then when she does her warm up, that that gear won't hit. Like if she's doing a sprint, one hundred fifty, mm-hmm. that gear won't hit one hundred fifty. So she'll have to switch gears, to, to so the trainer can actually hit those numbers. I gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll look into something like that. But then. besides that. Excellent trainer, solid. and that, I think it's like the cheapest trainer the on the tax market. Tax flow, Cha- tax flow. Nice. Okay. Three hundred sixty dollars. All right. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Is anything grinding your gears this week? Uh cycling wise, I don't think so. Nice. I had a good time. The only thing I would say is uh, ski hills are so packed. Oh yeah, we went skiing this week. We weekend. went skiing. Yes. Uh th- it was for paying seventy dollars. That ski hill was so mm. packed. We went to Cascade Mountain in Portage, Wisconsin. Yeah. We So if you go to like Tyrell Basin or Devil's Head or literally anywhere else in this area, they're not as busy, but that's like the number one to like like uh, travel spot for mm-hmm. people coming from like Illinois that want to go ski for the weekend. <clears throat> and it's it was so packed. And the amount of people that just are so almost unsafe, like it's almost unsafe if you can actually ski because of like how many people are like on the trail yeah, and like, just going at a snail's pace. Like if you if you can hardly get down the bunny hill, like you're not ready for the big hill yet. Yeah, and then so the the <laughs> trails are just cluttered with people <laughs> who can't ski. 
Yeah. And so if you can just like we can just go down the hill. Yes. When everyone else is like going back and f- using the entire it's trail, da- it's dangerous out there. And people people mess themselves up skiing. Like yeah, no joke. People hate each other like all the time. It's I mean we I ski, you guys snowboard, but like we're all pretty good at what we do. And I I like have to dodge people constantly because yeah. the, there's so many people on the hill. Yeah, and they're all using the entire trail. Yep. It gets dangerous. That's right. So that's maybe my word to the wise. That's if that you, grind in my gears. If you suck at skiing, stay off our ski. Get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, uh, that's, that's our that's our gears. They were they were grinded. Grinded I think properly. That, I think that's it for the week, right? Yeah, that'll be it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, you can uh, you know subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, iTunes and Stitcher. So if you're on uh, you know an iOS or an Android device, you can listen to us anywhere, even on your desktop. You can listen to us. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at bike underscore racing weekly and yeah, stay tuned. We'll keep pumping out episodes on a weekly basis and yeah. Anything else you got, Ryan? Uh, check us out at the upcoming races. We're going to try to do the races. We'll do some live podcasting yeah. at the races. We're right? going to do Cheesehead Roubaix. Cheesehead Roubaix. Yep. Yeah. We need to we'll sign up there. still, but we're going to do the 60 <clears throat> mile race. I think that's right. Yeah. So I'm actually really excited for it's that. It's gonna be fun. It's only a couple months away. If anybody else has some cool races that we should do before then, in let Wisconsin, us know. in Wisconsin or, or Illinois, maybe surrounding Minnesota. states, yeah, let us know and we'll be there. All right, check you later. Bye, everybody.